Hello and welcome to St Tom's Online. Please find our latest sermon. Hello, um, if you don't know me, my name is Abby. Um, I feel very honoured to be able to talk to you today. Um, I promised you that I wouldn't talk as long as last time, so I'll try and keep it a little bit shorter and not bore you all. So um, hopefully um, you won't be sat there for too long. Um, so we are going to be exploring John 2 verses 1 to 11. Um, and that is the passage that Francis um, read out for us um, a little bit earlier. So I'm not going to read it all again because Francis has already done that. We're going to go straight in um, and look at it a bit deeper um, and see what we can understand um, about this passage, how we can apply it to our lives. um, And yeah, just get to know God better, I think. Um, That's the purpose of this. How can we know Jesus better through exploring um, what the Bible says about him? So let's go straight in and do that. Um, I'm just looking at my notes over here. Um, I'm not leaving you. Um, So, I wonder if we could take a moment um, to imagine the scene that we um, heard about in the passage. Imagine that you were one of Jesus' disciples attending a wedding. Jesus' mum is probably related to the wedding couple in some way. The wedding feast may have been going on for a few days already. It might last um, about a week. But then you notice out of the corner of your eye that Jesus' mum um, is coming up to him, whispering into his ear, saying that the wine's run out. You listen in on the drama, knowing that this was social suicide for the family if they could not rectify the situation. It was a serious offence in that culture not to provide adequate hospitality for your wedding guests. Now Mary knows there isn't any physical way that the family can produce more wine um, at this point in the wedding feast. But she remembers her son Jesus is the son of God. He may be the only answer to this crisis. But Jesus turns to his mum and whispers questions, asking, why me? Why are you placing the responsibility of this on me? Why is it my responsibility to resolve this? But in honour of his mum, he told the servants to fill these huge water jugs that were used for ceremonial washing of hands um, for the people coming to the wedding. And he tells them to fill these huge water jugs with water. Now imagine what they were thinking in this moment, like, okay, so we run out of wine, we've got plenty of water, that's not the problem. Why? are we filling up these jugs with water? Um, But assumably they do it anyway, um, despite those thoughts that were probably whizzing around. He then tells the servants to take a cup of water out of these big jugs and to take it to the master of the banquet. So I think of a wedding planner. Um, That might not be um, the right Um, interpretation but that's what I'm thinking of Um, takes it to the wedding planner to taste the wine before giving it to the guest now imagine that you are this one servant walking to the master with this cup what moment did the water turn into wine was it while it was in the jug was it while it was in the cup in the servant's hands on the way to the master or was it 
still water up into the moment that the master took a sip. The servant took a risk in following Jesus' instructions and taking that cup to his master. But to the servant's relief, the master of the banquet took a sip and was so surprised that he interrupted the wedding couple to congratulate them on saving the best wine until the end. You, Jesus' disciples, saw all of this happen. And if you didn't believe it before, you believe it now. Jesus is the Son of God. Now that's effectively um, how the story happened, but there's a couple of things um, that I want to pick out from the package to explore further. Um, a couple of things that may be misunderstandings um, and I think some things to um, kind of understand a bit better. Now the first thing, um, well done if you noticed it during the reading, um, when I was doing a little bit of research on Google, maybe I shouldn't admit to that, um, about um, this passage, this was one of the key things that lots of people were talking about. So the language that Jesus uses for his mum, I think in our context, it's quite explicitly derogatory. If um, I turned to my mum and said, woman, I don't think that um, it would be taken very well, let's just say that. But in this context, this language um, that was written by John isn't disrespectful. Jesus wasn't disrespectful and the way it's written isn't meant to look like Jesus was being disrespectful. I Im imagine it like this. Imagine if you tell your youngest child to go and tell your older child um, that you want to talk to them about something and they run up the stairs um, and you hear them shout, John, mommy says you have to come downstairs now. And then he runs downstairs. He's hanging his head like oh, what have I done wrong this time um, and you just say well I just have this letter or this snack or I don't know but to tell you that um, your friend's coming over later and they're like oh the tone of voice um, that has used has been misinterpreted um, to make the situation look different to what it actually was. I think this is what it can look like when we read it out of context so Jesus wasn't being um, derogatory to his mum in fact, he showed his mum the greatest honour by responding to her request in the way that he did. When I was um, reflecting on Mary's part of this story, um, I was thinking about how in Luke 2, um, we read about the shepherds going to visit Jesus when he was born. And fresh out of Christmas, um, we're all, um, we've got that story in our heads, so that's probably why I was reflecting on it. And they told the family, the shepherds, um, told Mary, Joseph and Jesus everything that the angels had told them about how this new baby um, had been born and that he was Jesus and he was Emmanuel and all this amazing stuff. And it says in Luke 2 verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now Mary truly believed um, what God had said during that time that we know as the Christmas story because she believed enough to, she asked him in front of Jesus' disciples and the servants to perform a miracle. She believed um, that he could rectify this crisis of not having any wine at the wedding. And it doesn't say at the end, and Mary believed, because she believed what God had said at the beginning. This wasn't a surprise for her. 
what amazing faith that she had. I think after having a child, I know how hard it is. I think I'm sure there were many times um, in her time bringing up Jesus that she was reduced to tears, that struggles um, of parenthood, I'm sure of it. Um, but she still kept these things in her heart and believed what God had said. Now the second thing, the other thing I wanted to comment on um, was where Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. Why did he say that? It seems a little bit out of context. It seems like a bit of an odd response um, to his mum in that moment. But if you look at this um, specific phrase, Jesus uses it quite a lot um, throughout, um, what, throughout his time that John recorded in the Gospel. So if you read through John, there's several moments that Jesus says the exact same phrase or a, a variation of it. He's talking about his destiny in sacrificially giving his life on the cross. What, that's what that hour is. In John 12 verse 23, it says this, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And verse 27 and 28, now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So it's all about um, this hour. Um, the reason that he came um, was to go to the cross and to give his life sacrificially in order to save the world. But it seems a little bit of a strange thing to say given the context. Mary hadn't just asked Jesus to go to the cross. She'd asked, she'd asked him to turn water into wine. So why did he say this? Well, some say that it's a metaphoric um, image. The large jars that we use for ceremonial washing, um, hand washing. The wine could represent the blood that Jesus gave to cleanse us from sin. The wine satisfied our thirst, and all who taste it marvel at its goodness. So that could be a way of metaphorically looking um, at the um, story um, and seeing why Jesus may have said that phrase. The sign that Jesus did in this miracle revealed Jesus' glory and pointed towards the salvation that he came to give. This was the first public display of his glory through miracles that is recorded. In the NIV study Bible, it says this um, phrase, which I think is really cool, um, so I'm just going to read it for us now. So it says this. John was probably testifying that Christ's saving mission would culminate in a redemption of the creation from all its distresses, so that the wine of joy would flow fully as the prophets had announced. Now I looked into this, I was, um, I didn't know that this image of um, wine flowing was a prophetic um, image of Jesus coming. So I just looked at a few of the verses and I put down a couple here to share with you. So in Joel 3 verse 18 it says, In that day the mountains will drip new wine. And in Amos 9 verse 13, new wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. So this image of wine is something that was used in the Old Testament um, to, I guess, proclaim Jesus and what he was going to bring. Um, so there is that whole imagery of wine um, that could be significant um, for this story and why Jesus um, used this as his first miracle. So if we take this story as a representation of what Jesus came to do, 
Jesus came to save us from our crisis. Our crisis of hopelessness, messiness, sin, pain, selfishness. So that we could know joy in him. That though we are still often feeling very hopeless, messy, in pain, and we're often sinful and selfish, we can know a peace that transcends our understanding. We can have a hope for a new heaven and a new earth with God, where we won't know pain. We can celebrate in this hope, even in the midst of our troubles. I think that Mary represents this hope in the story where in the midst of her distress, she remembered the truth that she had been pondering on and asked Jesus to help them. And I think we can learn from that in the midst of our crisis, in the midst of our struggles. Let's keep pondering on what we know about what Jesus has done for us and ask him to help us. At the moment in this pandemic, I think we all have moments of deep sadness, hardship, loss, and perhaps even a loss of hope and a loss of joy, or it may seem or feel. There have been many moments for me in the last year where I just can't see any other hope other than my hope in Jesus. And I know um, many of you would have felt that before the pandemic, but for me personally, that's been more real for me in this time um, than any other. And I think that's true for many um, young people. But let's not stop pondering the sacrifice Jesus made so that we can know hope and joy despite our circumstances. I see it kind of almost as a test. We're faced with all this crisis and hardship. Is our faith going to stand? Is our faith going to stand? Let's live our faith and share it so that others can also know Jesus. Let's live in this hope that we know. Let's share the hope that we know, so that others can also know this hope, and that hope is Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to me. I hope there was at least something um, that I said that has helped you to know Jesus better um, in whatever situation you're facing right now. So thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, love to you all. Take care.